you're still knocking around the band with Brendan, but peculiarly yeah. with a, with a different iguana and uh, <laughs> a different iguana. Yes, sure. you got the drummer and uh, and Alex McMurray. And what is this? And how did this show up? Well, the geraniums came out of the mermaid. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, the late on the geraniums. I don't recall you guys. Pull. How how at what point did the geraniums start? Well. What happened was Brendan and I had a bunch of songs. Um, we hadn't performed a lot mm. because, uh, at, you know, Brendan at first was a very hesitant singer. I mean, mm -hmm. Brendan has no, had no knowledge of music mm -hmm. in terms of time or structure. Mm -hmm. You know, all the things that allow a singer to know when to come in or when, you know, or a band to follow a singer. Mm -hmm. Brendan was very stream of consciousness. Mm -hmm. um, so he and I wrote songs. We had little demos that we made together. We had toyed with a band with uh, Jimmy Robinson and Damon and Vernon and didn't really work out. But mm -hmm. we got basic recordings out of that. Um, and then we decided to trade um, demos for people who would record our stuff. Mm -hmm. We would give them a free demo if they would record one of our songs. Mm -hmm. wow. So That's we did amazing. this deal with uh, FSQ. Uh -huh. We did this deal with Michigan. How was I never asked? <laughs> and then we did this deal with Glenn Styler. Oh, okay, right, Styler. <laughs> and, and Glenn Styler, I'll never forget, you know, because I had, he had played before Tribe Nunzio once and I'd done sound for him, you know, and, and you know, met him and was like, who is this guy? <laughs> right, exactly. Wow. And, you know, he's like, just make sure I have plenty of reverb. I want to sound like Perry Como. And I'm yeah. like, okay. <laughs> And he came out, you know, played guitar, and it's just like, these songs are so psychotic and beautiful, and what, who is this guy? So I got his number through, I think, Kelly Keller, maybe? Right. And he played some gigs at the, uh, at the Mermaid, so I had his number, and Brenda and I were like, well, what if we get Styler to do one of our songs? So we chose a particular song for him, um, and I called him up. And I, you know, I said, it's Brent's Jeff from The Mermaid. And he's like, oh, hi, how are you? And I'm like, I'm fine. And actually, I'm still calling him Glenn Styler. I didn't know his name was Brent. Uh -huh. And I was like, Glenn, um, and he's like, would you call me Brent? That's my real name. Uh -huh. <laughs> I said, well, you know, Brendan and I would like you to uh, do one of our songs. Uh -huh. He's like, what do you mean? You write songs? Who's, who's Brendan? I said, Brendan Ozen's club with me. He goes, and you want me to do one of your songs? Why? Yeah. And I'm like, well, we like your voice. We'd like to see how you would do this. He goes, where are you from? <laughs> and I'm like, well, Brendan and I are from New Jersey. He goes, well, I've never worked with anyone from out of town before. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes, tell you what. I'll meet you at the Mermaid, whatever night. I'll be there at 8 o'clock, whatever time. I'm like, okay. So I'm, you know, at the Mermaid, at the 
prescribed time, and I've got a cassette uh. of this particular song. And uh, Christy, the bartender, is like, the guy down the end of the bar says he's waiting for you. And I see this bald guy, you know, with big glasses on. And I'm like, I walk up and I'm like, Brent? And he's like, mm-hmm. Didn't recognize <laughs> me. And I'm like, no. So I gave him the cassette and uh, he called me back like a day later. He's like, I love it. I love it, but I have a whole different way I want to do it, you know. So, long story long, uh. we, he and I record this song together. It's called No Newts. Actually, this is showing you how long Brenda and I have been writing. No Newts was written uh, about Newt Gingrich in 1994 okay. when the Republicans took over the House and the Senate. Yeah. And it's a song, you know, I don't want to live where everybody lives, chiseling everybody else. Mm -hmm. I don't want to live where the sky is black. I don't want to live where the dead come back. And it was this, well. Brendan's take on this Republican takeover. So Styler and I set out to record this song together. Um, one day, The Mermaid turned into two days, turned into three days. Fucking hot, middle of the summer, no air conditioning. Mm -hmm. And he played every instrument, hmm. um, everything, except the lead guitar, wow. which I played. Hmm. And I watched this guy produce this record. I was like, what a fucking mind. Wow. I mean, every snare hit, you know, little teeny... T and we were dealing with an 8-track half-inch machine, so we had to be really sort of cool about... I mm -hmm. mean, we must have put 18, 15 to 18 tracks on mm -hmm. And, you know, I had to do a guitar solo, and he was screaming at me. Mm -hmm. He goes, you don't have any fucking balls, man. It's like, will you fucking do something that means something? Well. Jesus. He was yelling at me and yelling at me. And I remember staying up all night, like, writing a part. The next day came in, and I played it, and he was like, that's beautiful you know but boy I, I'd never you know he taught me like how crucial everything you put on tape is okay so that's you know Brandon and I started that way uh -huh. like having other people record our songs we were sort of too nervous to play and then we had you know 15 18 songs and we were like well why don't we just do a record so we got Brent to play drums who's an incredible drummer he's like I want to play drums and Renee played bass and Malcolm Byrne who was a friend of mine decided he wanted to you know I asked him would you produce this if we pay you we produce mm -hmm. this and record it at mm -hmm. your house so he did we had never rehearsed the songs hmm. we walked into the studio and we taught I taught Renee and Brent the songs and then we recorded them and that's how we did our first record. And then we started gigging at the Mermaid and at the Circle Bar. Kelly gave us gigs. The, I, I should say, actually, but a backtrack. The Circle Bar was actually, I think, the last thing up the line that was still booking everything. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Kelly was, Kelly was still, still had the magic. Yeah, yeah, she could still really do that. Anyway, so carry on. So you, so you, were you already called the Geraniums? Yeah, we were called the Geraniums. Okay, yeah, I would have seen that. And later. Brent was playing this kit that I had bought for our, my daughter. It was just like this little kid's drum set, and I had to bring it to every gig and set mm -hmm. it up. And, you know, and, uh, but he was... Uh, quite a drummer and then his you know he just it, it got to the point where 
he really wasn't into playing drums because he's not a drummer and Damon started playing and uh, Tom Marin started playing because he was around the Mermaid a lot and uh, um, and then that's how this current format and this is like 95, 96 right. you know 97 we're starting to play and um, but what pulled Glenn Styler out of the picture? Um, or Brent? I think he basically didn't like being the drummer in a band. But he didn't want to do any other role? Well, he was doing his own stuff. Right, I remember that. Uh, and I think... I think he just his heart wasn't in it. Yeah. You know? Even though, my God, if you listen, I'll get you a copy of the first record we did with him playing drums. I really want to hear that. My God. You know, it's funny because I, I could never stand Glenn Styler. And that, of course, I was living with Marty, who would scream at me in the middle of the night about what a genius Glenn was. But this is fucking terrible. And who wants to watch a crooner with this guy? Toupee, crooner. All the things that he did that people thought were genius, I just thought were like the most awful thing I'd ever seen. So every once in a while I get sucked over there, but you know, then it was told to me, maybe Kelly, somebody said, oh, you should tell him you hate him. He'd really appreciate it. He hates himself. Yes. So I did. In fact, I said, man, you know, I just think you're terrible. And he, oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> At least you're honest. <laughs> At least you're honest. <laughs> no, he's, uh, he's probably one of the most honest, straightforward people you'll ever in your life, right? Oh my God, what a what a human being! Yeah, interesting. What a human being! Yeah, just a real rare bird. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I mean, that's that's what it. You know, Brendan and I just developed a way of working together. How uh, how do you feel about the the being in the shift from Tribe Nunzio attracting hundreds of people to the geraniums, which is notoriously. <laughs> I mean, frequently I go and I'm the only person there, and I don't go to all of them. I suspect there's another person that's there. <laughs> yeah, you, know, you, you, hit the, you hit the nail on the one head in the room. What is the, uh, you know, how does that feel? And what's going on with that? How come no one goes to see this band? You know, well, that's a, that's a, you know, that's a, that's a good question, and it's an easy one to answer, frankly. <laughs> yeah. um, a, lack of self-promotion. Okay. B... A lyric-driven band in the city of New Orleans is dead on arrival. Yeah. Uh-huh. As far as I'm concerned. Right. It's not. A, it's not. A, it's not. A, I mean, Happy Talk has. I mean, Luke's a great writer. He, he, you know, he writes lyric-driven songs. But I think that band. You know, the geraniums. People either get Brendan or they don't. Plus, yeah. Brendan's not a you know he's he's a like it or you don't like it kind right, of singer. Right, right. You know, Brendan's uh, you know he's 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 I think he's great. I think it's amazing. I think he's emotive. I think he's sincere. Um, but you know, there's a lot of people. I mean, we played the Iguanas took us to New York and oh, really? Boston and Philadelphia. Right. We toured with them uh, one tour. and it was fucking amazing. We played a gig in Philadelphia where everyone was. Riveted. I yeah. mean, there was 150 people in the room just at the stage, yeah. hanging on every word this guy was saying. Yeah, I could see that. I, I'm amazed by Brent. I mean, when I see guys performing, there's something so uh, really, it's very intense because it, it looks like a fellow that is 
delivering words. I mean, he ha he, he carries whatever vestigial sort of thing in my brain says poet. There's this this he's got this certain kind of thing with that, especially the way that there's the amount of words and then the somehow sometimes an extremely exaggerated delivery on them while certain kinds of features of the, of the music are going on that aren't the, the the music isn't particularly driving any of the words up your ass the words have to do it themselves you know I mean like there's a thing now where you know you, know, you, you snap the word into the you know the drums land on top of the lyric and that's a lot of the thing but in this particular case he has to drive it off of the way right. that, the way the way that he's running it and there's the, the, it's the, the music isn't jamming that down your throat by a no in fact uh, you know the way the band plays is deliberately to let him and in fact uh, it's one of the most intuitive bands I've played with because mm. um, you have to be so on your toes when you play with Brendan mm -hmm. because you don't necessarily know uh, if he's going to freeform Less so now than in the older days, like the early Circle Bar stuff. I mean, you know, he um, is coming at singing from an entirely singular point of view. Mm -hmm. It's not like, you know, somebody who's like, well, you know, I know how music works. I know what an eighth note is. I know what a quarter note is. I know what a half note is. I know where the head of the tune is, I know where the refrain is, I know where the chorus is. Brendan, I, I'll never forget one time we were rehearsing at the Mermaid because we had some big show coming up. And Brendan was describing a song. He goes, you know, I sing and then blank, 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 and then I sing again. And Renee's like, is that how you see the song, man? It's <laughs> like, pretty much. And he goes, blank, 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 blank. You know, like, you don't know what to do or what's coming. You know, uh -huh. it's like, everything's new to him. Every wow, time, you know? amazing. And after all these years, and it's very innocent, and it's, and it's very necessary, mm. after all these years of playing together, he still has to make eye contact with me uh -huh. before he'll begin a verse. Uh-huh. You know, I'll look at him and, you know, we've gotten more subtle about it. Mm -hmm. But he does, you know, the one is not necessarily something he understands. So, uh, what, what, did Alex Murray end up in the band because he's from New Jersey? Is this part of the crew? <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's a union thing. Yeah, it's a, what's this? Well, Alex, you know, ended up in the band. He, he's not, you know, he's not actually in the band. He's oh, a yeah. guest member and uh -huh. he's welcome to play anytime he wishes and he knows mm -hmm. it. And we love having him there because it, it changes the the, uh, the 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 ten tenor of the band. But um, Alex just became my friend, uh -huh. you yeah. know, like he became your friend. Yeah. I mean, I met Alex at the Mermaid, and uh, I remember him coming up to me one night. He goes, "I heard you do cheap demos." That <laughs> sounds that's exactly it. <laughs> I was like, yes, sir, I do do cheap demos. <laughs> so that's when we recorded the. Uh, Fingerball demo. The, the famous fingerball demo that, that yeah, that, that, oh wow, that yeah, thing. Yeah, and him and I, I think, bonded over that and, uh, you know, other things. And uh, I did banjaxed with him. Um, right, which is kind of kind of striking. But I remember it's, it's peculiar to me because the only time he's called me to borrow effects pedals were, I have to play with the geraniums. Do you have, uh, I can't remember, tremolo or reverb or something, you know, 
some kind of he's a, got a, a sound vi- a vibe thing you know and I thought that was really funny I'm like oh, weird. Yeah. well Ryan, you know his favorite band. player is Fripp I think and, uh, yeah, he, he, that's the kind of thing he would never tell me. That's that's yeah, why yeah, I don't. No, he know loves. That. He loves. That. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know he loves that one record, the the, the Roaches record. That's that's right. set up with the. the but I think thing. he also likes you know the way if you you know some of the coolest sounds on that record are Fripp uh, doing his thing. Yeah. Um, so he plays a, a very odd uh, sound for Alex himself. You know. Mm-hmm. You listen to the body of his music, but it works. And um, what I love about the geraniums is, you know, Brendan and I can go out and play just he and I, and, or he, I, and Tom, uh, and it's very sort of Irish, you know, lyric-driven songs. And then, you know, you put a band up Brendan's ass, and he's a, he's a punk rocker. Uh-huh. He can get real dirty, and he can get nasty, and he can howl. And, yeah, that's what I remember. I remember seeing, wow, it was very intense. Suddenly suddenly he became suddenly very emotional and just spit Well, he out is of very emotional. Then, you know. He's, you know, he's got a very legitimate axe to grind. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. A very legitimate axe to grind. I'm always glad to see that. I'm really glad somebody's, when people are up there with an axe to grind. Yeah. That's good. That's... Um, is there anything that you're planning to get up to? Do you have anything in mind? What's go? What's what do you? Because there's some connivance going on. Are you? Uh, what's happening up the music end of things? Now that you have kids in college and stuff like that, you know. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> um, the kids that built the mermaid are now the kids that are in college. The kids are now. One kid is in college. Uh, yeah. One's soon, and one's in uh, going into second grade. So I got kids yeah, all over. All the place. over. Yeah. But um, you know, I write. I play every day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I watch uh, the news. Mm-hmm. I watch CNN and MSNBC, and I have a guitar in my hand. Mm-hmm. You know, so some of it's paying attention, and a lot of it is just uh, I like playing unconsciously because, again, I'm searching for that chord that you know those those fingerings, those voicings that I haven't experienced yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm doing a lot of. Uh, uh, playing in different tunings, you know, try to uh, expand my sound. Um, um, I'm slated to do a record with the Tin Men. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Record. I'm, I'm mixing Shotzi's record right now. Oh really? Which is very fun. What, where are you doing? That? Are you out of your house? No, word of mouth. Word of mouth. Okay. So, so I'm learning Pro Tools. Tim Stambaugh has been very, uh, oh, that's great. very nice about teaching me Pro Tools. So I'm getting that under my belt. Terrific. Uh, and you know, I have this, uh, I have this sort of dream project that I'd love to do one day. That's called the Family Album. Mm-hmm. And I want to do a record about my family. <laughs> that's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> you know. I, I think that's a great idea. It's one of those things that'll go down in the generations because the, the family will never stop reflecting on what you said about the, what the father said about. It's such a paternalistic thing. It's, it's I a, love it. Yeah, and, and and that's what keeps me from doing it. Actually, is everything you just said. Unfortunately, it's it has this built-in sort of break. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, the idea has the emergency brake thoroughly rammed in that position. It's like, how could I possibly start? Where do I begin? But it's to me, you know, it's it's uh, it's it's an incredible experience to mm-hmm. have a family mm-hmm. and to you know see children go from 
you know, from being very small, inordinate, you know, uh, you know, unanimated objects mm -hmm. to animated objects to opinionated objects to things that have mindsets that things that you mm. know have desires and mm -hmm. you know their own dreams and, and it's just an incredible thing to watch mm. you know it, it is so uh, so powerful on so many levels to watch these uh, these beings manifest mm -hmm. also being a, the only man among four women yeah is very interesting too uh -huh. Uh -huh. you know it's extremely uh uh it's a very good thing for me uh-huh it's it was a, it's a very it couldn't have been better in terms of helping me uh yeah i can't i, I can't imagine but i can imagine it would be a good experience you know, yeah no it's 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 cool so yeah i mean i'm 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 all about you know like I said, I'm I'm still learning. I'm still I'm learning Pro Tools. I, I wanna I wanna continue to make records. Uh, Brendan and I write every time he's in town. We you know we write in our our own way like we always write. I have I have a progression and he has words, and uh, we go around until we find a set of his words that fits my progression or doesn't fit or you know struggles against it. Um, uh, we do simple garage band recordings of our stuff, and then we're working on a record out in the studio in the country. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. And working with Ben. Uh, doing it, uh, you know, found a great way of recording this band with uh, no headphones, mm -hmm. live mic in the room, PA, you know, just wow. letting Brendan sing mm -hmm. um, and letting the band play. Great. Um, so uh, that's been real encouraging. Some very cool songs coming out of that. And uh, one, this is the last thing I want to ask, which is really a sort of, um, it would depend on the kind of person, but uh, because of some people I'd say, well, are there any musicians that have really particularly stuck out of you? But I'm not going to ask you that question for the reason that you've seen so many and because you've, you've actually pulled people in to perform that you, uh, they were there because you thought they were single already, which I know that that's a lot of people over the years. But what I want to ask more is like, what, if you were to draw back to more of a, uh, landscape view uh, what is there any way that you can describe the kinds of changes that you've seen in general from the way this place looked in 1977 to the way that it looks now both with regard to music and the kinds of things you see around or just the city in general it's, it's a very difficult question to answer but it's a good question because I don't know how to remove myself from it. Mm -hmm. um, so much of my perception is how I relate to what's going on. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I think when I first came here, I struggled to be part of the scene. Mm -hmm. to be somehow included in it or, mm -hmm. you know, not to be good enough to play the clubs, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, coming at it from yeah. a point of, you know, not being a band, uh, you know, not having a band, not knowing anybody here. So I saw a very open city that allowed me to do that. Mm -hmm. um, 
And then there was a grand period of huge creativity, mm -hmm. you know, where er anything went. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that was the age, the time, the age meaning my own age, mm -hmm. the time, the fact that clubs were just opening and people were experimenting. Uh, it seemed that New Orleans was very interested in redefining itself mm -hmm. at a certain point in time. Mm -hmm. Rather than... Um, there, there wasn't the neo-funk movement. Mm -hmm. You know, there wasn't the can we be as good as the meters or can we now be as good as Galactic or can we now be as good as, mm -hmm. you know, whoever the other great funk band is. Right. There didn't seem to be that kind of... Uh, for a period, there didn't seem to be that kind of necessity to to define mm -hmm. who or what you were. That it was perfectly fine to um, be wide open, to mm -hmm. be creative, to be experimental. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know that Mutiny could play at a club. Oh, it's no. impossible. I mean, I'm one of the reasons. I'm, I mean, I'm. I don't I'm know that. Like, yeah. You know, you could have an, an event like that on a weekly basis at a place. And to me, that was some of the most inventive, beautiful, horrible shit on earth. Absolutely. Yeah. But you know, that's that's part of. You know, that's part of the process of creating beauty is you have to destroy something mm -hmm. in the process. You know, you something has to be taken apart in order for something to be, you know, manifest and to resurrect. Mm -hmm. um, and you have to be willing to do that. I don't know, and I don't know if it's a function of the times or fear or the fact that people have to make a living and times are tougher in the post-Katrina environment, rents are twice as much as they were in the old days, uh, you know, that clubs are more business-driven mm -hmm. than they were. But I'm... Uh, and, and also, I'm coming at this from a point of view of a 53-year-old guy who doesn't get out as much as he used mm -hmm. to. So I don't know that there aren't those bands. I'm not hearing about mm -hmm. a scene. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not hearing about something you like you can't miss, you have to see this, yeah. don't miss this. Mm -hmm. And you know, I must admit, I have wandered into, you know, situations where I've seen young kids, uh, you know, doing some incredible shit. Mm -hmm. um, but very formu formulaic, yeah. very polished. Mm -hmm. um, and very, uh, you know, very referential. Yeah, that's a lot of it goes on. It's interesting that, um, I, I, it's what you say, because I don't think 53, someone said that to me the other day, old and jaded, I was talking to Benjamin Lyons about this, and I, but the thing is, I remember at least 20 years ago when I showed up, one of the things that I thought was cool was that there was no age group specific audiences back then there were old people around watching music that's true which that's one of the most striking things to me it was everywhere that I went 
there were old people. I'd go check it out. Let's see what this is. They were older. Anywhere, that's absolutely true. Anywhere between 35 and 70, 80, fall mm-hmm. off the planet. And you'd mm-hmm. think, well, that's very interesting because now it's not the case. Again, people are older. They're not showing up there. No, it's true. And, uh, I, you know, I try to get out. Um, but, uh, you know, I must admit the shift in my existence uh, has made it really difficult. Yeah. Uh, and it's one of the things I, I, I for sure lament. Mm. And I do enjoy. I mean, I love playing the two geranium gigs a month or if we do a Valparaiso men's chorus gig, you know, right. uh, you know, those, <laughs> those things are great. And, <laughs> uh, you know, I do go down to DBA every now and then and I'll see the Tin Man or I'll, you know, right. I, I will, I will, I will want to get out more and more and more. Yeah. But... I don't sense a um, an environment that fosters the bizarre. No. Right. That that is willing to take a risk on not making money to produce something that nobody has ever seen or everyone would be amazed. Right. I mean, you know, the Mermaid was notorious for having some of the greatest shows on earth that nobody saw. Oh, I never forget walking in. I still, if you talk to Goat, I mean, no one was there. I walked in on this Fawn Fables show. This was before they were anything, and I remember it's just there with Goat. Like, where the hell are the people? This is incredible. <laughs> he sat there the whole time. It's just me and Goat. Like, how could this be? This is. Just, I don't even think anyone was standing behind the bar. We were just there watching this show go on. It was. Unbelievable. I mean, I think we both bought all the merch. <laughs> right, 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 right. Right. No, I mean, and that's, that's the thing. It's, it's hand in hand. And I think that's what, you know, that's what you're talking about. And that's what um, I'm wondering about. Mm. Is that there has to be the support um, of the people yeah. to generate the interest to do something extraordinary. And I think that, you know, we've all fallen into convention, unfortunately, to sure. some degree. I mean, I'm lucky, you're lucky, you're creative, you're, 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 you know, you're, you're a composition person, you write, mm. um, you explore. I, I have both music and architecture to, mm-hmm. to bait that part of my brain. Mm. But I think, um, and many people have... Uh, succumb to um, a point of view that they are pretty sure what it is they like and what entertains them. And that's denying an entire possibility. Yeah. And to me, that's, that's where, you know, is there avant-garde? Is New York avant-garde right now? Do people go out and do, you know, are there people, you know, on trapezes with ukuleles, you know, yeah. Singing about, uh, singing about this or that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think so. I haven't seen it there. I mean, the last time I saw that kind of behavior was, I mean, I saw some craziness going on in Tel Aviv. You know, I was like, I was like, this is a bit strange. What's going on here? <laughs> I take a look around. Well, <laughs> especially in this place. But you know, in the United States, definitely, I haven't seen much of that. Yeah. A long time. It's, it's well, I mean, look at us politically. I mean, my God, does it does it uh, surprise you? 
at all yeah. that um, you know there isn't this um, and I can't put it totally to that because you know the worst political times usually create some of the greatest artistic effort but yeah. um, and also you know funding's drying up people aren't getting grants you know it's uh, it's getting more difficult to uh, uh, I mean I, I was just in Europe not long ago and it was incredible the amount of people I ran into who were granted to do phenomenal things that the government was like yeah I like your idea mm -hmm. it's peculiar as it sounds it's you know there's an open ear and, mm -hmm. you know, you'll get some money you'll do it mm -hmm. yeah and here it's not like that no, very much not. It's funny because that day, I remember that day once I was up in this apartment and it was crazy and I going, well, how come you don't do this anymore? You said it was so cool and this was happening. And yes, you know, look what's happening out here. It's all becoming regular, theater regular and you have the possibility to do this. He's like, Jonathan, people don't want it. If the people wanted it, Cafe Brazil would look the way that it, that it, that it did then. And I just thought, you know, I looked. I remember when I was looking down the street at the people, and I thought, "He's right. They, they don't want that. I don't know what it is that they want. I don't know if they know how to want anymore. I'm not really sure what's going on." <laughs> but you know, it was an interesting perspective. Cause no, he's. Our day is very. I remember one night, he was uh, talking about a particular band. I won't say the band. Huh. It's Trafigurdia. <laughs> The crowd, they've changed. Look at them now. Vision Plaza. <laughs> awesome. Vision Plaza. Vision Plaza. <laughs> this is the barometer. All right, Jeff, I'm going to let you go, man. All right, bro. That was killer.